You're listening to the Smoke Signals Podcast, hosted by Jake Dungan and other IBI contributors. We're talking tribe. I'm Jake Dungan, Senior Contributor for Indians Baseball Insider, welcoming you to this week's edition of the Smoke Signals Podcast. And boy, oh boy, we got some uh, positive news to discuss. Uh, really the object- first objectively optimistic podcast I think we've had, if not all year, at least in a while. I know we've had a couple where we tried to put a positive spin on things that have been going on with the tribe, but uh, I think that this past week is really the first time we've been able to see the tribe uh, put forth an effort that is really worth praising because, you know, they've had their ups and downs, they've had some good moments, but I think that this is the first real positive performance in a week that we've seen all year, uh, you know, going back, I mean, I know it's against Detroit and Kansas City, which... Let's be honest, they're not the cream of the crop in the American League right now, but you win a five out of six out of those series. You come off a, a series split in Texas and then th- another sweep against Detroit. They're playing really well in June uh, so far this month. And uh, joining me as always to talk about the uh, Indians and the uh, hot streak that they've been on, uh, Justin Lada, editor-in-chief. Justin, how's it going? Going pretty good. It's hot out and the Indians are, are playing hot, so... One of those things is good. I don't really care for 85 degrees, but it's better than rain. So, oh yeah, and the Indians are winning. So I guess there's very little to complain about. Exactly. <laughs> My roommate was at and his fiance were at the game today, and they just Ooh. they said that uh, it was a great game, but they couldn't get out of there fast enough. They didn't even stay the whole uh-huh. game left in the uh, eighth inning. But um, yeah, they were up in the up in the uh, upper deck in the. With, without any shade, so yeah, it was a it was a hot one out there. So uh, oh yeah. But other than that, though, yeah, the Indians uh, won again Kansas, over Kansas City five three to get the uh, series win. Um, and we also had uh, a couple of new faces in the Indians clubhouse: uh, Bobby Bradley and Aaron Savale making their MLB debuts. And you know, Bradley's cooled off a little bit the last couple games, but uh, he had a Nice start to his MLB career. A couple big hits. Savali had a really good start to start his career. Uh, he's probably only going to be a one-and-done right now because uh, Mike Clevenger's coming back from the injured list. Uh, Jason Kipnis hit a walk-off home run in a 3-2 win over Kansas City on Monday. And then uh, flipping a script, Brad Hand allowed his had his first blown save of the year, giving up five runs in the ninth, including a grand slam to Hunter Dozier. On Tuesday, uh, that was the only loss of the week for the Indians. Otherwise, they'd be looking at six in, games in a row right now that they've won. Uh, and then, like I said, Mike Clevenger coming back from the uh, IL on Friday against the against Baltimore, and uh, so that definitely some good news there. We were def- I was definitely pretty uh, frustrated to hear that he was going back on the uh, injured list, but glad to hear he's coming back after one start as the Indians had uh, originally. Uh, diagnosed, but other than that, uh, overall a really positive week. Uh, any uh, takeaways for you, Justin? Yeah, I mean every, everything's just kind of clicking. I mean they're they're taking advantage of the schedule, which is really good. They they needed the stretch to get hot again, and 
uh, it looked like they had a lot of guys clicking at the same time. We'll be curious to see how it carries over the next few months or the next month, but they have definitely uh, taken care of business when they've needed to against who they've needed to, so that's that's good to see. Yep, they're now uh, 44 and 36 on the year. Uh, season high, eight games over 500. And as of now, I believe they're eight and a half games behind the Twins. We're still waiting for that game to uh, that game to end, and we'll see how if the Twins can do the Indians a favor by losing a game and getting the try back to eight games behind them. They're right back into this. Uh, this is a division race, still a fair distance behind them, but anytime you get into single digits this time of year, as far as uh, a division race is concerned, uh, you're still considered within striking distance. So, uh, I mean, hey, eight games, eight and a half games is way better than 11 games back, where, which is where they were uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, eight games is still a lot to make up. and But the thing is, they have 13 more games against the Twins, and they have that first series out of the All-Star break. So that first year, I mean, we keep looking at points of the season where it's like, okay, this is the going to really decide the direction of their season. But I'm done I with think, that, by the way. I'm done doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We can't can't to the pinpoint it down because they, they turn it around and then things go south and they turn it around. It's just been weird, but... I really think because of the timing, I think that that, that first series out of the All-Star break, which is against Minnesota, and because it's, it's two weeks away from the train deadline, I think that's going to be the one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say third time is the charm. I think we've tried to do this three times now. I think that's the one. So I think that Minnesota series decides where they go. And they and, and it may not. They may, just, they may have these – whatever they're going to do, they may plan to do it anyway. But I think at least if they play well against the Twins, it'll – Maybe push them in that direction. If they play badly, I think it may cause them to see maybe what they if they can get in the wild card, but not go too much past that. And yeah, I, I know we've kind of missed on these setting these arbitrary deadlines before, as far as deciding what the Indian season how it's going to turn out based on where they are at this point. I mean, I know in the grand scheme of things, it was kind of silly to set a, set this kind of deadline before the All-Star break, any point before the All-Star break, but I think you might be onto something there as far as that first series out of the out of the break against the Twins, because, you know, it depends, of course, on where they are heading into that series uh, in the standings. If they continue this hot streak, they could uh, be coming up fast, uh, maybe, maybe a six, seven, maybe even five games, who knows, depending on how well the Indians play, and the Twins start to fall off a little bit. Um, so uh, we'll see, but uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the guys who made their Major League debuts this week, and both of them, I mean, Bobby Bradley is, of course, the big name that everybody wants to talk about, and so far in his uh, four games played, he's had a couple of doubles, a couple of RBIs, He's walked twice, and in the last couple of games, he's 0 for 4, 0 for 3. Uh, he got four strikeouts combined. He's got uh, two walks versus seven strikeouts while batting a buck 54 in those four games. Again, small sample size, but uh, you know the two RBIs, two doubles, uh, a run scored, a couple walks. As I said, um, you know, pretty much not doing what we expected. I mean, he's not going to bat a buck 54, but. You know he's he's hit for a little bit of power. He's 
showed a little bit of a opposite field a hit ability, and uh, again, not much to take from these four games, but Bobby Bradley's in Cleveland now, and looks like he's going to be in this lineup, at least for the next uh, few weeks, I would imagine. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, Bradley joining the uh, Indians batting order? He's looked as expected so far. I mean, he's hit a couple balls hard, he's hit a couple balls far, just not over the fence, and he's struck out a lot. I mean, he looks like the player you think he would be, and Unfortunately, you know, he is a better fit than um, Leonis Martin was. You know, it was time for Martin to go as far as a, a player. It stinks, you know, for the story of him as a person, but it was time for them to move on. He wasn't hitting. He wasn't playing as good center field anymore, and it opened up a spot to bring up Brad Bradley and move Mercado over to center field every day. It was just the right time, and, you know, it's time for them to get a look at him and, and see if he's, going to be part of the future or I mean obviously whatever they do whatever he does the rest of this year I don't think is going to be a real tell because it's, you know it's what's he going to get 300 at bats 400 at bats you know uh, I don't think you can really say definitively what he'll be but it's time for them to get a look at him and I I'm glad they finally did it do you think it was the right time because I you know there's a lot of people who are saying you know that they Indians should have done this yesterday versus uh, some people who are saying, like, Bradley's too overhyped, he needs more seasoning in the minors, and uh, maybe this was a little little too early to call him up. Uh, what's your take on that? It's a tough spot. I mean, you know, we've all seen Bobby play a lot at the minor league level, and we've all been watching his development for years. It's, it's tough to strike out as much as he does at AAA and – and not have that swing and miss issue at the major league level. I mean, he was always going to swing and miss a lot, but like, look at Bradley Zimmer. Bradley Zimmer came up and was really good in 2017, right? But he struck out a lot at AAA, and it caught up to him at the major league level, and that's why he got sent down uh, last year before he got hurt. You know, it caught up to him. He wasn't able to make enough contact to really get to his power or make an impact offensively. Like, even his defense being so good didn't save him from being sent down because it was just too much. His swinging messages were too, too big. And, and Bradley has more power than uh, Bobby Bradley has more power than Bob uh, Bradley Zimmer, but he doesn't have the defense to keep him in the lineup every day. So if those strikeout issues become an issue, it's going to be hard to play him the way it was Bradley for uh, Bradley Zimmer for a while. I'm, I'm definitely concerned that it's going to be a problem. I mean, you strike out 33% of the time at triple a, it's not going to get better. I mean, there's no uh, – he's struggling, right? I was going to say Blake Snell, but he's struggling right now. I mean, even with the Twins, like, there's no there's no Jose Barrios. There's no – there's no um, – who are they going to play in the upcoming series? I mean, geez, even they played Brad Keller the other night. There's no Brad Keller. Oh, there might be some Brad Kellers in AAA. I don't know if that's a good example. But you, you get the point. Those guys don't exist in AAA. You know, you're beating up on 4A guys and – He's striking out that much. It's a concern, but you know you hope that the power is enough to overcome it. We'll see what happens. But I don't think he's necessarily ready. But I, I he's I don't think he's ready to see major league pitching or have great success against it the way he was having on AAA. But I think it's time for them to get a look at him to see how they should go about the rest of this year and going into next year. I, I agree with that. I think that 
I think that that's a fine distinction that you make there, an important one, which is, you know, maybe Bradley isn't necessarily ready to come up here and be, like, an all-star level slugger, but I think it is the right time for the Indians to call him up and see what he's all about and see where he is in relation to that timeline of him being ready to help the Indians in an impactful way. So I think that is an important distinction to make there, and I think it's an accurate one. So um, I definitely agree with that. Um, The one thing I will say is that was kind of encouraging to me when I was following Bradley's numbers in AAA, kind of digging into uh, some of his batted ball profiles. He was... While he was striking out a lot, when he was making contact, he was making quality contact. Uh, he was not hitting the ball in the air as much, and more specifically, he wasn't popping the ball up as much. He was hitting more line drives, hitting the ball on the ground a little bit more, basically keeping the ball in front of him. And then um, his because of that, his home run fly ball rate skyrocketed because the only time – Basically, he was hitting the ball in the air was when he was hitting home runs. But then he was also hitting the ball around the around the diamond a lot more, around the field, spraying it around. I mean, at one point this year, I think his pull ball rate has uh, spiked a little bit recently. But overall, uh, for most of the season, the, his batted ball profile of hitting the ball to uh, right, left, and center field, so opposite pull and up the middle, uh, was pretty much even across the board. So that's what I really liked about him and what I kind of saw a little bit of when he, you know, his first hit was an opposite field double, which has kind of encouraged me. So um, I'm interested to see how that pans out in relation uh, to his major league uh, playing time and seeing how, if that continues... Uh, obviously, I would like to see him cut down the strikeouts as with anybody else, but uh, that's just something we'll have to see over time. But uh, beyond that, I'm glad to see Bradley up here, and I think that giving him a chance to see what he's all about is very important for the Indians' future, both uh, this year, 2020, and beyond, uh, because, you know, Carlos Santana's not going to be here forever. Uh, we don't know if uh, Jake Bowers is going to be the everyday first baseman or not. Most likely, it's going to be Bradley, so... Uh, that's definitely uh, this is definitely the right time to uh, see to get our first look at him. So uh, and then you got Aaron Savale, who I don't know, <laughs> you know, if you and I and uh, Corey and all the other people at the site uh, had predicted had not predicted uh, Zach Plesac getting called up this year. How about Aaron Savale getting called up this year? Did you see that even remotely happening? I did not. No, when when uh, Clevenger went back down and couldn't make his. Next start, um, I was really surprised to see that they skipped his they skipped his start to bring him up. They have other guys in the forty man roster. That that situation is really interesting. We should this is something interesting to get into. I think that proves the Indians are trying to really still win this year while developing guys and bring up the rookie class. Because think about it, they could have easily created a forty man spot, no problem for. Asher Wojciechowski or Michael Peoples, they could have called up uh, uh, or Xing Shang or they could have called up um, Shi Wei Hu, even though Shi Wei Hu is pitching terribly to AAA, like terribly. It's bad. He's, he's not good. That trade's looking pretty rough right now, even though they didn't give him much to get him. Um, but they could, anyways, they could have called up any of those guys. They could have gone with the bullpen day, even though the bullpen was kind of gassed at that point. So, boy, it's a good thing they didn't. But they called up Savali because they felt like he gave him the best chance to win. They started his clock. 
and and him him being on a forty man roster, you know, creates a bit of a forty man roster issue because think about it. They're not going to put Cody Anderson on a 60-day DL, even though he's hurt, because it accrues service time, and he's already had options next year. You know, there's a couple guys down there they could have started the clock on or put on the 40-man roster to easily designate for assignment later on in the season to make an extra roster spot. But Aaron Savali's on the 40-man roster now going forward. Yeah, he's back in AAA. But, and and uh, Giancarlos Mejia, we just found out today, is out for the season uh, with hip surgery. He's on the 40-man roster. And they won't put him on the 60-day injured list because that would start his uh, clock in the major leagues as well. So he's got to stay on, minor, on uh, off the IL. So that's Savali and Mejia take up two spots on the 40-man roster that they can't get rid of now. So that tells me that the Indians were trying are really trying to win. They could have easily put any of those other pitchers on the 40-man roster, brought them up for a day, and then DFA'd them later. That's a really interesting decision about – how they feel about Savali, how they feel about this year, and how they feel about him and his pitching staff in the next few years. And, yeah, you make some good points there with the roster crunch and everything that happens because, uh, yeah, Mejia's hurt now. That definitely doesn't help uh, the roster situation. Uh, Sam Henkes is really struggling in Akron right now, and he's not going to be able to help the Tribe anytime soon, it seems. Um but on the other side, on the flip side, uh, what seemed to be an issue as far as depth uh, is suddenly less of an issue now that Aaron Savale is a major league option because before he made his his start, and granted, his one start, six innings uh, against Detroit, which is you know again not the best that the American League has to offer. They're not the uh, twenty twelve. Uh, 2013 Detroit Tigers anymore. Um, at, yeah, even still, though, uh, having Aaron Savali now as a major league option definitely helps the Indians depth-wise. And, you know, now that Clevenger's back, you have Savali waiting in AAA. Heck, you could even make a case. I think it was uh, one of our good friends, Mike Hattery, who had talked toyed with the idea of uh, flipping Savali and Plutko and putting Plutko back into AAA as the reserve option or maybe in the bullpen, whatever the case, as the reserve option that the Indians always envisioned him to be, that six-starter guy, and then give Savali the number five spot because he probably, at this point, may have more upside than Adam Plutko does. So, I don't know. I I think it helps. It hurts the Indians' roster situation, makes it more awkward, but I think it's... uh, I think it helps them from a depth perspective. It does. Although I would say Plutko has pitched pretty well this year. I mean, I'm, I've never been a huge fan of Adam Plutko as far as his upside. Like he's he's a nice up and down, you know, guy that you can call up for a spot start or for someone who's injured and can fill in for a couple of turns. Nobody you'd want starting 32 games. I don't know about Savali quite yet. Uh, I still think. He's a little bit a hair, a couple of hairs behind where Shane Bieber was as far as um, movement and uh, a, a really high quality uh, set of secondary pitches and velocity. You know, Bieber is is 92, 94 can touch 95, whereas Savali is really 90, 92 can touch 93, um, but doesn't have maybe the elite secondary stuff that um, Bieber has kind of grown into. Even though I wouldn't say Bieber's are elite, it's just that. They're good, and he commands them so well, so that kind of makes them elite by proxy, whereas Savali's got good command 
but maybe it's a hair below Bieber. But I agree with you. I think he's probably a better fit for the fifth spot than Plutko is, just because, like you said, he's on the 40. You might as well get him up here and, and get him pitching and see if he's part of your future, because if you entertain Trevor Bauer trades, whether it's coming up in a few weeks or if it's coming over the off season, um, it's time to figure out if, if these guys are part of the future. Exactly, and uh, you know, some people are still saying that you know Savali is better served in the bullpen long term, and I'm not saying that he's not, but I have always said that you shouldn't give up on him as a starter too early, and you know he's proved that in his first start of the year. He's had a pretty good uh, start to the season overall uh, in the minors. I know he's back down in AAA now; he's only up for the one start, but. I wouldn't be surprised if he uh, gets called up again and um, for a longer stint in Cleveland. Uh, i tell you what, though, um, and Corey and I kind of really delved into this on the Farm Report podcast, so we won't get into this, but I wanted to get your thoughts on this assessment. Do you think that the Indians would be where they are right now this season? You know, they're, they've been playing better in June. I know they've had some help from guys like uh, Santana and Lindor, uh, Perez, of course, Brad Hand in the back of the bullpen. Um, some of their starting pitching has, has stepped up, like uh, Bieber and Bieber and Bauer when he hasn't been struggling, and, of course, uh, Zach Plesak. Uh, so, on that note, do you think that the Indians would be where they are without their the help of their minor league system? Because it's really been their depth. Uh, you know, the Oscar Mercados, the Zach Plesaks, and Aaron Savales, and... Uh, you know, they've had a couple guys, relie- relievers, one or two relievers come up from the minor leagues who started the year there. Um, it's really been, and then of course Bobby Bradley now too, it's really been their farm system that has stepped up and their depth that has stepped up uh, in the face of injuries, adversity, uh, poor performance. They, they've really relied a lot on that uh, minor league depth and so far it's really paid dividends for the Tribe. Yeah, I mean, Mayor, there's without the system getting, and it's funny, the system coming into the year was like what, maybe middle of the pack, like 12th or 13th, and it's still kind of the same area. But yeah, especially the pitching staff, I don't think they would have survived. Mercado and Mercado and uh, Rodriguez at first were big saves for the team, and then when he went down, man, they dipped had to dip further into Plesac, and now Saval. Yeah, I don't know where they would be because. If those guys weren't ready and didn't figure it out, yeah, there's no way. We'd be talking about for sure, for sure being sellers and playing for 2020. Absolutely. So, yeah, that's some the conclusion that Corey and I came to, and it's really great to see when minor league depth really steps in and comes into play because I feel like that's something that is really under, unappreciated on the uh, – general scale as far as uh, not just Indians fans, but across baseball. I think that there's a lot of people who don't truly appreciate how important uh, the depth you have in your farm system is for a team uh, going through the season, and it's really stepped up in a big way for the Indians, so certainly glad to see that and hopes that these guys continue to perform well. Uh, I wanted to talk about a couple guys, uh, some veterans who are really starting to turn things around. They've had Started off the season very poorly, uh, and then over the last between 11 and 13 games, they're really finishing off the month of June strong, and may have attributed a lot to this Indians uh, surge in in wins recently. 
Uh, I'm talking, of course, about Jason Kipnis and Jose Ramirez, and I have the numbers to break them down uh, based on how they played over the last uh, week and a half and two weeks versus their first uh, couple months. You know, Kipnis over his first 49 games was batting 207. He had a couple homers, a couple extra base hits, 15 RBIs, 15 walks versus 37 strikeouts. His last 11 games, he's got four homers, a double, a triple, 15 RBIs. So the same number of RBIs as he had in his first 49 games. He's got uh, five walks versus four strikeouts and batting 425 over his last 11 games. And then you got Ramirez, who over his first 66 games, let's face it, was just abysmal at the plate. 198 batting average. He had four homers, 11 doubles, 21 RBIs. He did have 32 walks versus 42 strikeouts, so uh, not a bad ratio there. 16 stolen bases, so he was showing off his speed a little bit. And then over his last 13 games, he's batting 306. Um, Homer, three doubles, two triples, nine RBIs, uh, seven walks versus one strikeout. So he's really seeing the ball well right now and now starting to swing the bat well and make good contact. So got a couple of stolen bases as well. So both of these guys, you know, we were starting to wonder if they would ever be able to turn it around this year. And hopefully these last couple weeks for both of them are a sign of good things to come because uh, Kibnis has been about as locked in as anybody. I mean, Heck, he's 425 average at four homers. He had the walk off the other night. And then Ramirez, slowly but surely, starting to come around, swing the bat much better. So, uh, what are your thoughts on these guys and the uh, hot streaks they've been on? Yeah, it looks like, A, Kipnis, they really needed him back. I mean, he makes this lineup a lot longer. It, it's still weird that he's hitting cleanup at times, I guess, but wherever, wherever he fits in, wherever it works, but. You know, he makes this lineup so much different. Like, when they didn't have Brantley in 2016, they were still a pretty good lineup because they had uh, Santana, Kipnis, and Lindor, top three, doing really well. And then you had Mike Napoli at fourth and Jose at fifth. And that lineup was nice and long at the top. And now that you got Kipnis hitting again, you know, you get production out of Lindor at the top. Mercado has really turned around things in the two-hole. Santana's going to be an all-star. He should be the starter. Vote Carlos Santana. If you're listening to this tomorrow or on Thursday morning before voting ends. Um, and now you have Kipnis. And now Ramirez is turning around. It looks like Ramirez is I, – I, I, I felt this way all along. And a lot of people, you know, verified it looking at just the, the statistics. But his launch angle was getting ridiculous. I mean, he was hitting the ball at like a 40-degree angle. And you really want to be between that 10 and 25 mark or so, or 15 to 25 mark, I think is where it's ideal. Um, you know, he's hitting a lot of fly balls. He was still kind of hitting balls the other way pretty weakly. So I think he, you're starting to see him in the early stages of getting back to just hitting the ball where he wants to hit it. And, and if the pitch doesn't get in an area where he knows he can do damage with that pitch, he's letting it go and waiting for the next one. I think he's starting to, to feel better about that approach, which is why he was so good last year early in the year. I think, I really think Santana, or Santana, I really think that Ramirez is poised for a big second half. I don't know if this will keep up for Kipnis, uh, but the numbers look good for him, too. I mean, he's hitting the ball hard. He's making great contact authority. All the underlying metrics support the hot streak. You know, he's getting a little bad at ball luck, but he's he's not trying to do too much with the pitch. He's taking stuff the other way. His approach just looks really good. And, man, if those two – like, it, I don't think you're ever going to get 2016 Jason Kipnis back. 
you know, or 23 home runs and stole, what, 15 bases? You're not getting that guy. But if you get a guy who is a league average bat, like if he's if he's around 100 weighted runs created plus or 110, that's great. You know, he's going to he's gonna be an effective hitter no matter where he hits in the lineup because that's another guy who you could count on to be a consistent hitter day in and day out, and that just makes that lineup so much better. Yeah, it absolutely does. And uh, on in his contract here, it's definitely – I'm – I'm happy to see Kipnis playing well because I think he deserves his career is not not over yet, and he deserves to uh, get a nice payday uh, when he hits free agency coming up here in the off season. So uh, hope this these numbers continue and he can get that. Uh, Ramirez, I think that it was just a matter of time. I think we all kind of knew that. I think we were freaking out a little bit earlier in the season because he wasn't drawing a lot of walks. Because you and I, I think discussed on the air once. Uh, when he was slumping early in the year, uh, last year or a couple years ago, um, he wasn't hitting the ball well, but he was still drawing a ton of walks. And that was kind of like, we were just saying, it was a matter of when, not if. And uh, that wasn't the case early on this year. But as the year has gone on, he's gradually started to draw, draw more walks and see the ball well and lay off of those bad pitches, not uh, get himself out. And then over this past week, the seven walks versus one strikeout, I think that that is... I think that that is just a pure indication of where he is now, and I think he's, as you said, on the verge of becoming Jose Ramirez again, and that certainly would bode well for the Indians. I mean, obviously it does. They need him in the middle of the lineup to be the uh, MVP candidate in order for them to really have a serious chance of uh, not only contending for a division, but possibly getting back into the World Series conversation. Uh, So getting him back to that form is definitely great to see. But for now, we'll settle for where he is, turning things around, and just uh, keep egging him on. Yeah, like you said, said, uh, Jason Kim is definitely deserved. This is the guy who's poured his heart and soul into this team. He's played through injuries. Uh, he's just, you know, I'm sure it's it's tough to come to the park every day and be positive and, and work your butt off to try to get better when he struggled so much the last two and a half seasons. You know, it's it's got to be really difficult to stay positive and stay in a mindset and, and put all that effort in and not see any results. And he's starting to have some now. So you really feel good about that. Jason Kimmins is one of the guys who – has been a vocal leader of this team. He's been here when things were bad. He's been here when things are good. And I think you see on the field and through his, his word how much this guy cares. So I really feel good for him turning it around because this is a guy that definitely wants to win without a doubt. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, And speaking of guys turning things around, how about Trevor Bauer in the month of June? I mean, he had a pretty rough month of May, and that's where – because, you know, originally it looked like he was on – well on his way to an, another uh, possible Cy Young contention season, hopefully with no injuries to slow him down this time around. And then the, and then the month of May hit, and things took a little bit of a downturn. He had a 5.50 ERA and six starts, and you know he was giving up a lot of hits. He was walking a lot of guys. Uh, the command just wasn't there. Something wasn't right with him, and we were starting to wonder if. You know, something he something had gotten to his head, and he was overthinking things. Uh, and then, so far this month, though, outside of two starts where he allowed five runs uh, apiece in those outings, he's looked a lot more like Trevor Bauer, uh, Cy Young contender again, including his outing today against, again, the Royals, not a great offensive team outside of the likes of Whit Merrifield. But 
Bauer had 12 strikeouts today. Uh, he threw a career, matched a career high in 127 pitches in six and two thirds innings. And I think they said that was his third uh, 10 strikeout game of the, of the season. And, you know, he's had a 306 ERA overall in June. Uh, he struck out 38 batters in 35 and a third innings. He's only allowed 28 hits, so the, the hits and the walks are down. Uh, he's obviously not allowed as many runs. Uh, the home run rate is still pretty comparable from the first uh, couple months of the year. Um, but other than that, though, it looks more and more like Trevor Bauer starting to figure things out again and get back on into the right rhythm. Because I was watching the highlights from his start today. His breaking stuff looked on point. <laughs> Yeah, the curveball looked like he was back today, and they keep talking about how he's had physical limitations. I know he had the ankle injury. I don't know what else was going on, but he mentioned it a couple times, saying he wasn't, you know, some of physically he was being held back by his delivery, and Francona echoed that. So obviously something was going on with him. And Francona kept saying it was hard for him to stay over the rubber and get, I think, get a push-off he wanted. It was affecting his um, ability to lean towards the plate or the direction towards the plate, I guess. So that's, it sounds like it's an ankle injury. It was. So he must be feeling better. You know, two of his last three starts have been pretty good. But one before this wasn't that great, but it was okay. Um, but the Detroit one, obviously, last two weeks ago was good. And this one, uh, Wednesday, was good. So, uh, you know, they. it's funny. There's no way no way you could have convinced me that, that during the stretch where the Indians are starting to play better and kind of, chip away and make some ground on the Twins and just in general start looking like they could have a shot at the playoffs one way or the other. No way you could have convinced me that Trevor Bauer was going to be as inconsistent as he was. Like Shane Bieber's been their best starter this year. I if we would have said that if, if we would have said that back in April, I doubt any one of us would have said, Yeah, they'll be in the playoff they'll be in the playoff race in in June with Shane Bieber as their best starter, right? I mean that sounds ridiculous. I know. I mean you know, who would have thought they'd be in this position now without the without Corey Kluber and Carlos Carrasco, both of them being uh, out indefinitely? You know, I know Kluber is set to start uh, throwing again if all goes well, so that's definitely some good news to hear. Carrasco, I know he was actually with the team in the dugout uh, during this this last series, so that's that that's nice to see. But you know, we haven't gotten any actual updates on him and what's going on with him medically. Uh, if, if, what kind of illness or uh, what kind of condition he has specifically? So at least none that I've seen. And you know, we're we're still a long ways away from either one of them coming back. So the fact that they're in this position with Bauer just now getting back on track, and you know, it's basically been yeah, Shane Bieber. Uh, they just got Mike Clevenger back. He was only back for what one start? That the first start back when he got the had the uh, line drive off his ankle and he had to miss a start because of that. Had to go back on the a ten day IL. And yeah, so it's essentially been Shane Bieber, Zach Plezak, uh, and then the precious help they've gotten from Adam Plutko and Aaron Svalley and others. Yeah, I mean, they just keep plugging. It'll be interesting to see what their rotation looks like when everyone's healthy, but uh, I don't know when Kluber comes back, and we don't know what's going to happen with Carrasco. Just hope he's healthy, whatever happens. But I think they can – I mean, they're going to have some ups and downs with some of these young guys, you know, especially if Plesak's in the rotation. 
um, long, you know, for the duration until they get one of Kluber or Carrasco back. So there's going to be some ups and downs, but I, I just can't believe how well these guys have developed and they're, and they're doing it at the major league level. You see guys getting better. I mean, Monday, was it? It was Monday before the game on the Indians uh, pregame. Fleesack said that Bauer gave him a tip about his delivery. Um, that he, I forgot what he was doing. It was, it was pretty complicated. Like I, I feel like sometimes when I talk about mechanics and things, I can understand most of it, or I understand the basis of it, so I get a good idea. But whatever they were talking about in the pregame on on Monday about Fleesack's delivery, I was pretty lost. I, I really was. It was hard to follow. But in another another situation where Bauer. Help the guy with his delivery. I mean, Bauer has a big, had a big uh, impact on Clevenger's improvement. They both had a big impact on Shane Bieber's improvement, and now it looks like it's carrying over to Zach Fleisak. It's just amazing these guys are literally developing. They weren't finished products, but they're finding ways to develop at the big league level, and that's just really hard to do. The Indians are just incredible at developing pitching. I know they haven't, you know, like Jeff Ellis said on the podcast a few weeks ago on the. Uh, uh, Farm Report podcast, the Indians haven't done a very good job developing prep pitchers. But what they've been able to do with college arms and guy, and arms they've traded for is just unbelievable. That's a credit to the entire player development system, like Ruben Diabla and, and the other guys they've had, Rigo Beltran. It's just – that's why the Indians are a model organization, because they have guys like that, you know, and they hire people like that, and they think like that, and they produce pitching like that. That's why Derek Falvey is, is – in the position he's in with twins because he was part of that. Yeah, I mean, Ruben Ava, Rigo Beltran, uh, Tony Arnold, all the way at Jason Blanton. There's a lot of names up and down the list of uh, guys who have helped who have helped them uh, develop uh, up, up and down through the minor league system. So uh, d- great to see them. And, yeah, college arms. They've been so good with college arms. I mean – Think of all the guys who are in their rotation. Bieber is a college arm. Please act a college arm. Savali is a college arm. Um, you know, guys who are on, on their way up, you know, like Eli Morgan's a college arm. And j- just all the way up and down through the system, they've been able to have great success with college arms. So uh, great to see that, and it's great to see Bauer turning things around. But Bauer is going to be the first uh, major league uh player pitching coach. I, I'm fully convinced of that now. Yeah, yeah, that's just crazy. He should be at least the assistant pitching coach. He's had as much impact as anybody you can you can talk about and as far as the guys on the staff. I mean, it's, it started with Kluber. You know, Kluber was the one who started saying, you know, we're going to watch everybody's bullpen. You know, it started with Kluber and, ba- and, and Carrasco and Bauer and, and Josh Tomlin, you know, all going out there and watching each other's bullpens. And it's just continued, and it's, it's going even further. They have this culture of, you know, if they see something in a bullpen, you definitely should say something. They're, they're constructive criticism and improvement. It's just an open culture for that, and that's incredibly invaluable. Absolutely. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that, and uh, if Bauer ever does indeed get that title, I think he will If at, at some point in his career because he's already amassed so much knowledge. And now I think, you know, as you just get older and get wiser, uh, I think that once he learns how to impart that wisdom even better, um, that's just, 
he's definitely got a future as a pitching coach after baseball if uh, he doesn't do it while he's playing. So uh, uh, beyond that, though, uh, I wanted to get some uh, trade deadline predictions because, you know, I know the All-Star break's just coming up here. And, you know, getting towards the end of June, thing the draft is coming and gone, and then after the All-Star break, all baseball fans' minds are going to be turning towards uh, trades and rumors and everything going on with that and based on where the Indians are now uh, eight games above 500 now they're creeping back into that division race Uh, they're playing their best baseball season where do they sit now with the trade deadline because a couple weeks ago we thought it was almost a sure thing that they were going to be trading somebody like Trevor Bauer or Brad Hand Uh, but where do they stand now uh, heading into this trade season with you know them on the verge of playoff uh, in division contention and you know they might actually be looking to uh fortify their roster rather than uh trying to sell off uh for next year and beyond so uh where do they stand now in your mind i don't know this is a really tough situation they they're not right at the moment they're not close enough to the twins to say they should make some improvements to catch the twins but they're not so far away where you're like, okay, they're out of it. I don't know how much effort they'll put into I don't, I don't want to say not improve the roster, but I don't know how much effort they'll put into giving up something from the farm system to make a trade just to impact the wild card race. I think you won't see them do anything of significance trade-wise to just win the wild card game. I think they have to be a little bit closer to the Twins to do that. But they could get there, and it's just going to be really hard. Cause like we said, before the after, the after the All-Star break, they play the Twins. And that series might play a big role in what they decide to do, but it's so close to the deadline. It's two weeks away. And because there's no August trades, you know, there's no August trades anymore, they got rid of that. It just feels like everyone's going to want to do their shopping, you know, sooner rather than later. Just that's going to that's going to speed up the train deadline. It's going to be more fun, but it's going to make teams make decisions faster. So you might see teams jump the market, you know, early. You know, the Indians got Brad Hand during the All Star break last year. They jumped the market, and there was nobody. I don't think there was a reliever as good as Brad Hand traded last year, was there? And there I don't might think not be. So, oh, yeah. There might not be this year. I'm not saying it's traded, but. If he does, there might not be a player reliever better than Brad Hand on the trade market this year. So I just I really, I really don't know where they go. I feel unfortunate that that twin series after the break is going to decide where they go because it's so close to the break and, and the market might start to develop sooner. It's a tough position. The Indians have a lot of things to figure out about 2020 as far as the roster is concerned. You know, who's on, look at Lucas on the roster. You just go position by position. Like, okay, Roberto Perez is definitely your catcher. and He, he could be an all-star. He probably should be. Uh, Santana, first base, all-star. Kipnis is playing better. He's making $14 million. So even if he starts to play worse again, you're not you're not jumping ship on that, you know. Lindor, Ramirez, those guys aren't going anywhere. Mercado's in center field. He's not going anywhere. And then you've got the real only spots that are really you, you're not sure about are Bobby Bradley at the H, uh, Jake Bowers in left, Aquin and, and Luplo and Wright. And you need to see Luplo. You need to see Naquin. 
You need to see Bowers. You need to see Bradley. The only thing they can really do is decide that Bowers and Bradley should have to go back to AAA and, and figure things out there because they're both young enough to. I guess you could say Naquin to a point, too, um, or even Lupo. Those guys have options if you think you can upgrade over them, but you don't want to block them for next year, right? You know, those you traded – I mean, Naquin's played well, and you traded for Bowers and Luplo for a reason. You brought up Bradley for a reason. He thinks he's part of the future. So you can't be trading for guys that are blocking those guys, and the Indians aren't the type of team to go for rentals very often. So it's a really weird spot. I think they – they're, they were definitely playing for 2020 this year, and now they're in a spot where they've improved enough to play for 2019. But I think they're in just a real weird spot, and it, it's going to make for a fun, a fun trade deadline. I mean, I hope if they're in it, they don't trade Bauer. But I understand they need to trade. They probably do need to trade him. Well, I think you uh, said it all very eloquently there, uh, as far as the. As far as the guys, the moves you can't really make because I think that despite where the Indians are in the standings now and how they've been playing better of late, I don't think that they can go back and abandon this plan of bringing these young guys up and seeing what they're all about to try to play for the future. You know, you can't, you're not sending Oscar Mercado back down. You're not in favor, even if it, it's in favor of somebody you trade for. You're not sending, um, I don't think you're sending Jordan Luplo back down. He's played well enough this year to deserve uh, regular playing time. Naquin's playing better, even even though I'm still not 100% sold on him as a long-term option. And You and you me know, both. Yeah, exactly. And I'll, I'll still give him credit for how well he's played. But yeah, oh, absolutely. Of course. Of course I will. I won't take that away from him at all. I just still think that in terms of the long-term future for the Indians in the outfield, I don't know if he is uh, – on my short list of guys who are going to be there out there every day and are going to be reliable options. I think that Luplo is a, couple, a step or two ahead of him in that regard. I think Jake Bowers, even though he hasn't played as well, is a step or two ahead of him in that regard, just based on where they are in their careers at this point and where they where they are as far as their talent and potential goes. Um, and then, you know, I... I could see the case for maybe Bobby Bradley being sent back down if things don't work out over uh, the next month or so, and he's really struggling. He needs to go back to AAA and get some more seasoning. That I can see, definitely. And then maybe you could bring in another bat and have them, have him play DH or play in the outfield, whatever, whatever decided you decided to do with that. But other than that, yeah, there's nothing really on the field where you can make a lot of moves. Um, I could see them going out and getting another reliever because uh, we just – you mentioned uh, Giancarlos Mejia being out for the year. We just also learned that uh, James Karinchak had another – had an actual setback in his rehab. Uh, haven't don't have a confirmation on the exact injury, but um, I know that he's probably going to be out for another – a significantly longer period of time, which is unfortunate because he was on a, he was on the fast track to Cleveland uh, with the way He'd he was pitching. He'd be up pitching. right now if he didn't get hurt. Yeah, He'd I would, be up right 100%. now. A hundred percent. And so with you know, even though the bullpen overall has pitched really well, we started to see we started to see some guys start to falter a little bit. You know, Nick Whitgren hasn't looked as great uh, lately, and you know, Tyler Olson's had his issues. That's some of the other relievers. So. I think that they, if they were to make a trade, they would try to get another 
a bona fide reliever, back end reliever in there. That is if they don't opt to trade Brad Hand. If they want to keep him and see about trying to build a viable back end of the bullpen around him, then I could see them bringing in another, you know, seventh or eighth inning arm. And then beyond that, the only thing, other thing I see them doing is bringing in a, a veteran starting pitcher, somebody who's really reliable. If you don't want to write out the string with somebody like uh, Savale or Plutko at the back of your rotation. You want to get somebody in there who's been there, done that, logs a lot of innings, can eat innings for you, guaranteed. Um, I can understand that to pair with the likes of uh, Bauer and and Clevenger and Bieber uh, at the top of the rotation and maybe have Plezak as your fifth starter. So those are the only things I see. The other thing with the trade deadline I don't see them doing is I absolutely do not see them going for any rentals. I, I know they've done it in recent situations. I was just trying to get them a little bit closer to uh, that World World Series contention with a roster that had relatively very few hit, holes in it. This is a different situation. you got a lot of young guys on this roster. You don't know what you have heading into you know, the stretch run of the season and in, uh, hopefully into the playoffs. You don't know what to expect at that point. So bringing in a rental doesn't make a lot of sense. So I think that if they're going to make a trade and bring somebody in, it's going to be for somebody who not only can help the team this year, but also next year. And I think maybe even the year beyond, beyond that, I think the Indians are in the business of bringing in guys who have at least two plus years of control. I think that that's where they are now. And, uh, so I don't see any rentals and, you know, beyond maybe a, a reliever or starting pitcher, I don't see them making a lot of moves for a position player either. But like you said, that's all contingent on how Bobby Bradley and Jake Bowers are playing and maybe even Luplo and Naquin at, at this point, uh, next month. And if they decide to send some guys down and try to bring in some reinforcements, uh, from the trade market. So, uh. But yeah, that's where I see the Indians as far as the trade deadline goes. And I don't know where they if they would move Bauer hand or not or not at this point. It's really tough to say. I'm so right about now. I told someone the other day that I'm probably 75 percent of a trade Bauer at the deadline and 25 percent of a trade hand. Now that could obviously change. My biggest question is. I, I think there's a chance they could trade for a rental reliever. The reliever market is not going to be great. Like Brad Hand is pro- and Will Smith are like the only two real arms on the market that I think are, you're going to see traded. I don't, there's not a lot of teams out there with major relief help. Um, I guess Shane Green maybe, but he's not. I don't think he's a rental. I think he's got a couple years of control. Maybe not. I could be wrong. But I don't think the Indians are going to go after another Detroit Tiger this this season. Um, I just don't know who's out there. That's, that's the hardest thing for me. But I'm, I'm still over over fifty fifty that Bauer gets traded, and well under fifty fifty for um, Hand getting getting traded. I think they would have they would have to get an overwhelming offer from a team to trade Brad Hand. I'm talking they would. I think we were talking about how the Indians could trade Bauer and get like a Chris Archer package and try to get an outfielder and, and a, a pitcher the way the Rays did last year for Chris Archer, I think they would almost need the same package for Brad Hand. Yeah, I mean, look at what the Indians gave up for Brad Hand last year. I mean, I know that 
Uh, Mejia hasn't been playing very well. I mean, they got Brad Hand and Adam Simber for uh, Mejia. Man, I don't even remember who the rest who was in the the rest of that trade. I know it was uh, somebody other than Mejia. Um, but uh, I would think that you would, if the Indians wanted to trade Brad Hand, I think it would have to be an Andrew Miller type of return. That what the Indians gave up for uh, Andrew Miller and back a couple years ago. Uh, it was the Clint Frazier, uh, J.P. Fireisen, Ben Heller, Justice Sheffield. I think that that would be the kind of return you'd be asking for if you wanted to trade Brad Hand. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm just wondering if they could get – I'm not saying – well, yeah, I I would say the Rays got a better trade for Chris Archer than the, than the Yankees got for Brad Hand or for Andrew Miller. But I guess that's all relative because they traded for younger players – Whereas the Rays got guys that were closer to the big leagues, um, and and the guys that the Rays traded for panned out, and the guys in the Yankees traded for haven't really panned out yet. Um, but I think you could ask for more because I, I just think the reliever market's going to be weak. Like if you're trading Brad Hand, he's going to be the best reliever to change hands. Like only guy I hear people talking about is Will Smith and Shane Green. Those are the only three guys I've heard names out there. Like if that's it, then Brad Hand is going to be. His value is going to be so much higher because of that. Right, yeah, the limited, uh, limited assets on the market to choose from. So, yeah, you would think that the rate of return would be much higher. So, uh, yeah, but it also depends on who's shopping, too. So we don't know who's looking for relievers. I mean, I think there's always going to be somebody looking for a good reliever. Uh, you know, I think uh, – and then Boston, I know their bullpen has had some issues this year. Uh, they could be looking well, their, for their, their their farm system's awful. There is nobody. They yeah. don't have anybody. They don't have anybody good enough to to warrant getting Brad Hand. I think that's off the table. Sure. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of teams who would be looking for relievers. Um, well, New York and New York and um, Minnesota, but I don't think I don't think you're trading with either of them. I just not for Brad Hand. I don't think so. Yeah, well, we'll see, and uh, this is something that we're going to definitely keep an eye on over the next month or so, and it's going to be really interesting because if the Indians are playing at a similar level that they are now and they really start to gain some ground on the Twins, this is going to be some uh, fun and uh, intriguing discussion to have as far as the Indians are concerned. And I do think that they're going to stay the course, as I said, with this going trying to get younger, trying to build for beyond 2019. Uh, so I don't think that whatever moves they make at the trade deadline are really going to uh, are really going to put them at odds with that decision. Um, I think that, you know, maybe they could go out and get uh, a rental reliever. I could see that if he's a, a cheaper option. But at the same time, I don't really see uh, them doing it on any level just because of what kind of trajectory they've taken this year as far as uh, managing their roster. Yeah, I just think they can't. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure if they could get a reliever who's got some years of control left, they would consider it because it's not like they can't. You can't. You can move guys around the bullpen. That's easy enough to DFA guys and move guys or send the triple A. Uh, I, just, I just don't know who out, who's out there. I think it's going to be a pretty weak relief market and it's just it's hard to see who's going to be traded. I guess that could emerge soon, but it, yeah, this is going to be a really really interesting 
we're we're five. I think we're five. We are five weeks away from the trade deadline. Just because, like I said, just because the uh, the August trades are no longer, it's going to make the market really interesting as it is. And in the Indians' position, it's only going to make them. They're going to be involved in a lot of conversations going both ways. I think some fans are. It's going to drive some fans nuts. It's going to make some fans mad. <coughs> and just remember. When rumors leak to reporters like John Morosi or Ken Rosenthal, those rumors get out for a reason. It's always to benefit someone. So always consider the source. Consider who that rumor benefits, why that's out there. And and oh, not only that, the Indians are one of the toughest teams to get rumors on. When rumors get out about them, it's usually A, them leaking it for leverage, or B, another team leaking it. And, you know, we didn't hear anything about the Brad Hand trade last year until, like, the day it happened. There was no movement on saying, oh, the Indians are just in Brad Hand. Okay, well, that makes sense. There was, like, one rumor, and all of a sudden it was like, oh, the Indians traded for Brad Hand. You know, when they when they make moves, they happen. You don't really hear a lot about them um, early on. So there's going to be a lot of speculation. Like I said, it's going to drive some people nuts. It's just going to make for a lot of storylines. It's going to make it really interesting. I mean, how many moves, yeah, can you really think of where – in recent years, the Indians have made that have had a lot of buildup as far as rumors go. I don't know. I mean, there was there was a lot of smoke around the Indians' interest in Andrew Miller. You know, I think that was a big deal. What did they do in 2017? I think 2017 was literally just Jay Bruce and um, Joe Smith, right? They didn't really do yeah. much. I think everybody knew in 2017 they were going to get a reliever. I don't think anybody knew Joe Smith. That kind of happened late. The Jay Bruce thing, they were interested. They were interested, but they didn't have room for him. And then when Chisholm Hall and uh, Brantley were both hurt, they had room for him, and it just happened. But that was also August. There were there was no smoke about Donaldson last year. That was an August trade, too. And there was no smoke about anything last year until the, day, until the deadline. They got with the Onus Martin. So, yeah, I mean, just even in the off season. There was just not a lot of – there was a lot of – you know, there was a lot of rumors about Kluber and Bauer. Nothing happened. So I really don't know. They're they're hard to get a team, team to get information on. That's why they're not – they're not talked about a lot rumor-wise unless it's just a lot of smoke. Usually when something happens with them, it, it, it comes down pretty fast when things finally – the wheels are finally spinning on and something that's going to happen. Yep, so – if you hear a lot of build up with rumors with the Indians as far as a trade, get don't I, I would say that rule of thumb is don't always expect it to actually come to anything because most often that's probably just you know somebody either the Indians or some another team trying to hype up uh, negotiations uh, f- for an additional purpose, something either connected or even not connected at all with the with the deal being discussed or um, if you, if it's right towards the 11th hour there and you hear the Indians name uh, pop up in any kind of rumors, then maybe then I would brace myself then because that probably means something's going to come down, come down the pike here pretty quick. Cause that's pretty much what happened, how it happens. But, uh, so uh, we'll keep yeah. an eye on that situation. Uh, but, uh, by the way, just an update, uh, Carlos Santana currently leading the, uh, MLB final vote for the all AL first baseman for the All-Star game, the new voting system in place, of course, this year. Um, so definitely good news to see Santana 
going he's going up against Luke Voigt and uh who's the third one? I forget. Um CJ Crone from Minnesota. Oh yeah, CJ Crone. Yeah. So Luke Voigt and CJ Crone. Uh and based on the numbers I think Santana beats them by a mile, at least just on numbers, but you never know. You got a Yankee in there, you never know what's gonna happen. Yeah. I don't know. I think yeah, I think he has a good shot. I think so too. I mean, this is his first All Star game. It's hard to believe the kind of seasons he's had over the years. He's never been an All Star. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. Uh, well, you, hopefully the you, fans get out and vote. Ex- exactly. Well, you know what it is. I think it's he's always been a better second half player. That's what it is. So the majority of his production always comes after the All Star break. So he's either he's either been you know, mediocre or at least league average by the All-Star break, or he's been less than that. So uh, by the time the second half rolls around, that's where most of his production really comes. So uh, a preview of next week's games, though. Uh, As I mentioned before, the Indians have that series coming up against Baltimore to to, uh, end the month of June. They've really played well this month. Hopefully they were able to carry it into July and into the All-Star break. So uh, after a day off on Thursday, as you're listening to this, uh, Friday, that weekend series in Baltimore, you've got, uh, of course, Mike Clevenger going up against, uh, I think, who's that, Seth Means? I think it's, John no, John, yeah, John Means, John I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, and then uh, on a Saturday, you've got uh, Zach Plezak against uh, Kashner. And then uh, on Sunday, you've got uh, Bieber going up against uh, Gabriel Enoa. And then uh, to start July, another off day for the Indians before they go to Kansas City uh, for another set against the Royals. Those pitching matchups to be determined at this point. But heading into the holiday, uh, they will play the Royals for uh, four games, it looks like. Let's see. Yeah, four-game series against the Royals heading into the 4th of July holiday. And I don't know. They, they've they uh, had a tough run of their schedule uh, to start the month. But, man, they've really played well, taking advantage of some of these lesser teams uh, ending the month. And it's going to continue into July here as they face the Orioles and the Twins. And then they have the Reds after that. Uh, finish off the Ohio Cup before the All, and then finish off the first half before the All Star break. So, uh, you know, I would think that the way the Indians are playing, there's no reason why they should slow down at this point. They should really finish off the first half strong. Yeah, I mean, the Royals have given them some tough games. They're kind of a pesky team. Uh, they should hopefully sweep the Orioles this weekend. That's what you want. So you sweep the Orioles. Hopefully, you take two or three from Kansas City. Um, I guess maybe you split with Cincinnati because they're kind of a tough team. And that gives you, what, five, six, and two on your last eight games for the All-Star break? I think that's uh, a good way to go in the break. And you hope hope everyone's healthy and you hope you don't go into the break so hot that the break just messes everything up. Right, exactly. So, uh, yeah, well, I'm excited to for this next stretch of games. And then uh, we got All-Star festivities in Cleveland. Are you still going to the Futures game? I will be there for the Futures game. I'm not going um, as a reporter. I'm just going to be there as a fan. Um, so that's going to be cool either way. I'm, I'm excited for the Celebrity Softball game. You know, we talked about it uh, a few weeks ago, who was going to be on the team. And 
no LeBron James, but they did get J.R. Smith, who, you know, crossing over a little bit here, probably won't be a Cavalier by the time that, that rolls around because his contract is uh, guaranteed after the 30th, and I think teams want to trade for him and cut him before the 30th, so it might be kind of tough. Um, but, yeah, there's some interesting names, and, and to see Tomey and Bayerga as the Grand Marshals of the parade, that's going to be fun. Supposedly Daniel Johnson's going to be in the Futures game. Uh, there hasn't been any official announcement yet, but that seems to be the only one that's floating around right now. Um, I'm looking forward to the Futures game the most. I have tickets to the All-Star game. Um, there's also a Fangraphs meetup on Saturday. Um, you know, those guys do great work. I, I read a lot of those guys. Those guys have influenced me a lot as a writer and as a baseball fan, so I'm excited to get down there Saturday night before the All-Star festivities for that. And Futures game is going to be a lot of fun. I'm I'm sure we're going to see a lot of guys that are going to be up soon. Yeah, and I'm, it hasn't even set in for me that the, the these All-Star festivities are actually going to be in Cleveland. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm going to be up there for any of the festivities, but I'll for sure be watching them and uh, be watching the game. So uh, hopefully seeing Santana at at first, vote low, hashtag vote Los again. If you're, and he's doing uh, the home run derby. Yeah, he is. He is. Uh, when was the last time the Indians had a home run derby participant? Um, I'm pretty sure that was Grady Sizemore in '09. So good ten year, and, ten year stretch there. Yeah, and he didn't hit any home runs. The last time, '99, uh, I think it was. 90, it was '99 when uh, it was '1998. Let me see, 1998 home run derby. I think that was Colorado, and that might have been. Um, yeah, that was Colorado. So 1998, Jim Tomey got to the final round against uh, Ken Griffey Jr. and lost. Oh, jeez. Can you imagine and, yeah. a ho- that home run? Ter- uh, that era of baseball, Jim Tomey, Ken Griffey, all those guys, all those great sluggers from the 90s in Colorado in for the Colorado, home run derby. Yeah. yeah, the ball carries. I mean, it was 08. Oh, gosh, was it 08 where Sizemore was in it? Yeah, size okay. Sizemore had six and oh eight, but didn't get out of the first round. So yeah, it's been eleven years since the Indians have had a participant in the home run derby. All right, well, good luck to Santana and good luck to him in the voting. Again, get out there and vote. Um, get him the first the starting uh, bid in the All Star game that he richly deserves. Uh, really quick, do you think that Lindor got uh got a uh, snuff there in that snuff or snuff snub there in the uh? shortstop category because, you know, I was looking at the numbers and I guess some of the other candidates like uh, Glaber Torres and um, and some of the other guys in there, I forget all, all their names. Uh, but uh, they've... Carlos Correa and Torres and... Uh, Glaber Torres, Carlos Correa and... Uh, gosh, I forget. Oh, Jorge Polanco. Yeah, Jorge Polanco, of course. Well, uh, a twin a, fans got out and voted. They got yeah. twin fans went out and voted. They got they they're they're happy their team's winning. Polanco's having a great year. Give him a lot of credit. Their fans went out and voted. The Indians fans, a lot of them must have voted for Carlos Santana. But I think Santana's stats, like you got to remember, with first base this year, there just aren't a lot of big star names playing well at first base. Who's out there? Like, can you think of a first baseman in the AL where you're like, wow, he's doing really good? Because Jose Abreu. Is like the real biggest star. I mean, you know, Miguel Cabrera is not all, not an all star anymore. Jose Abreu is like the only other one I could think of name value wise. But there's not a lot of yeah, guys. I know. Maybe, yeah. maybe Santana resonating with the public a little bit better. 
Um, that's why he got more votes than Lindor. But I, I do think overall uh, voting from the fan base must have been a little bit disappointing. That is so weird, though, because you would think Lindor is – I would think Lindor is more of a household name than Santana is at this point. So that's kind of surprising to me. And, yeah, the uh, Correa thing, I mean, I understand he – Astros fans uh, love their team. They, they, they've seen a resurgence – uh, in that city since winning the World Series. They they love their players there, so I don't fault them for that. But I, I do believe that, you know, Torres, Polanco, looking at the numbers, yeah, they probably uh, are deserving. They're, they're at least the other two most deserving candidates out there. But Correa's been hurt a lot of the year. He's not anywhere near the top of the uh, stat- statistical rankings, at least not that I could see. Uh, Lindor is... You know, he got a late start to the year, but he's putting up all-star type numbers. So I would think that he would deserve to be in that top three. But, hey, I don't I, – I can't uh, speak for everybody. So uh, I, he'll definitely be in there, obviously. I think that, you know, the Indians are going to see a nice representation overall. You're going to see uh, – you're going to see Lindor. You're going to see Santana. You're going to see Brad Hand. Probably might have a chance of seeing a, a Roberto Perez in there as well. Uh, I would think. I don't know how deep the catching uh, contingent is in the American League, but I would think that you know some guys are not going to play. Or either way, I think Perez makes it as a, as some kind of backup in some form. So uh, I think that uh, between those four guys, we might see a nice contingent in 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 their home ballpark representing the tribe. Yeah, I, I just think Lindor should have been the starter. You know, I know he missed three weeks. It's just, it, it's you know, he is one of the stars of the game. He's going to be healthy for the game. You know, I don't, I, Correa probably won't play. It might be close if he does. Um, it's just disappointing that he's not going to be the starter. This should have been, you know, big for him to do it in his hometown. And I don't know how true this is. I, I, I heard this on another podcast today, and that Lindor was a little bit, Miffed that he wasn't uh, in the t- in the final three. That's not great for a guy that you're probably not going to re-sign anyway. You know that's not not that's going to make a difference. You know, voting him to the as the starter of the All Star game probably doesn't make him you know more affordable to the Indians, but sure doesn't help if he's a little bit upset about it. And I think he has a right to be upset. I think so too. They put out they did a nice campaign for it too. The uh, Lindor doesn't play politics; he plays shortstop. I thought that was really clever. Uh, the whole political right. political ad campaign they had put out for him it was pretty pretty clever. I liked it, so I I thought it was a given he was going to be one of the top three choices. But obviously that wasn't meant to be. But hey, we don't make the decisions here. I mean, we did our part, but uh, that's all we can do at this point. He will be there though, so that's the bottom line. And hopefully Santana will be the starter at first base. But uh, all right, we kind of gone a little bit long today, but uh, I wanted to do. Uh, just say before we end the show, thanks to everybody for listening. Uh, glad to be able to talk a little bit of uh, optimistic uh, Indians baseball talk uh, here today. And uh, f- finally start to look forward to hopefully uh, try playoff contention run here and a division contention run down the stretch here. But uh, before we end, uh, Justin, do you have anything you want to plug? Yeah, actually, I'm going to be in Mahoning Valley on Friday night. I'm making the trip down after work. Ethan Hankins is pitching, um, so I'm going to make the trip down Friday night and see Ethan Hankins pitch in person. Get looking forward to uh, seeing George Valera. I'm going to try to talk to both of them 
Uh, Corey's got a piece. I think you said Monday that Corey's got a piece on the first week of action in Mahoning Valley, or first few weeks that's going to run Friday. Uh, and then I got the Lynchburg notebook tomorrow as well. Yeah, I mean, Valera, I mean, what was the final tally the other night for him? He had uh, how many hits and how many RBIs? Four for five, six RBIs, yeah. And then, of course, Hankins, has been, he was our player of the week this week on uh, Farm Report and just pitching lights-out ball in Mahoning Valley, so he should be fun to watch getting down there. Um, I should consider getting over to one of those games, too. I miss games at Eastwood Field. It's always fun on a nice summer night to get over there, so... Uh, uh, yeah, looking forward to that. Uh, as for me this week, um, I will be back with the uh, Four Thoughts column this week. That is guaranteed 100% for sure. I'm going to be working on that tomorrow. And so getting back to some minor league thoughts, probably have some thoughts on Hankins, um, Valera, uh, maybe even Savale, and a little bit of Bradley as as well, talking about his major league debut. There's a lot of a lot of great stuff to talk about with the Indians farm system. So watch for the four thoughts column. Um, then of course around the farm on Friday night I'll be doing for Saturday morning that will post. Uh, and then also check out the Farm Report podcast. Uh, Corey and I did a pretty deep dive into how the Indians farm system has really helped the team this year and kept them not only alive but really kind of helped res- resurrect them in the playoff race. So. Uh, check that out as well. Um, uh, beyond that, though, uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter. I'm at Jake D Baseball. Justin's at JL underscore Baseball. Uh, you can follow the show account on Twitter at Smoke Signals IBI. Follow the uh, site account at Official underscore IBI. Uh, get all the links, show notes, uh, breaking news, everything you can find at those two accounts. And then tweet at us, too, with any kind of uh, Indians or prospect-related questions. We'll do our best to answer them for you and other than that justin great show tonight and uh look forward to talking next week and the weeks to come hopefully some more good indians baseball to discuss but uh in the meantime for uh justin lada and the smoke signals podcast i'm jake dungan and we say to you have a good one for questions and comments you can email us at smoke signals at indiansbaseballinsider.com also be sure to follow us on Twitter at SmokeSignalsIBI, where you can find links to all our shows, as well as poll questions and other cool podcast stuff. Thanks again for listening.